Hi, I'm Mike Oppenheim, and you are listening to Coffin Talk, interviews with the living, a weekly podcast that explores how our views on death affect the way we live our life. And this week, we have a very special guest, someone I'm actually a huge fan of, and his name is Jason Zook, and he's an attorney, as well as an intuitive psychic medium and a podcaster. I actually discovered him five years ago when I was really, really, really uh, intensely researching all things uh, psychic, and I came across your podcast, and I was blown away. I listened to all of it, and I loved it, and so it's very interesting to me that a few years later, I started this podcast, and now I get a chance to interview you. So without any further delays, Jason, how are you doing today? I, I have to say I'm personally touched by what you just said, and I really appreciate it, and your warm words are so kindly um, appreciated on you know all levels. <laughs> Thank you so much for saying that. Absolutely, and I'm happy you have your own show, and I, I think when you have your own platform, it just gives you the ability to grow in creative ways that, that will guide you and and it's, it's an amazing opportunity, and I, I really I, I consider it such a pleasure to be interviewed by you today. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, and I really appreciate your friendly demeanor. And uh, But also, I think something that our audience should really pay attention to is I glossed over it, but you're an attorney, and you went to Georgetown University Law Center. It's not like, you know, you, you got multiple degrees. So uh, before we get into, like, the more interesting part about death and intuitive mediumships and psychic stuff, uh, why don't you just kind of walk us through your background in getting into law? Yeah, so interesting you say that. I don't normally have people ask me that during my interview, so it'll be fun to do that. Sure. I tell people, like, we're all on a journey, as you know, and five years ago, I started my podcast, and then I didn't know I could do podcasting. I just kind of got involved in it and figured it out, and it, it was what it was. In terms of being a lawyer, I went to the University of Tampa and got a double major in psychology and political science, and from that opportunity, I decided I wanted to go on to graduate school. And I had an internship with a, a senator in Florida at the time, Senator Bob Graham, um, dating myself. This guy's been out of office for a while. And his office really liked me working with them. And one of the administrators from the office was leaving to go to law school themselves. And she took me to lunch at the end of my internship and said, hey, why don't you apply to law school? Here's all my law books that I applied to. I think you should go. And so she gave me that nudge. And I went and applied. And I got into uh, Nova, Southeastern, Nova Southeastern University in Fort Lauderdale. Loved it there. And then um, basically I went to Georgetown because the dean of my law school from Nova was an alum and had a what's called a master's of international law degree is what I got. It's an LLN. It's one level higher than the Juris Doctorate. And since I was editor-in-chief of my international law journal law school, my dean was like, hey, you should go to Georgetown. So I applied to go to Georgetown, went there, got the one-year full-time master's degree done, came back to Florida, got licensed as an attorney here and fell into property insurance law in 2004, which was like two or three years after that. I was working for the government for a short period of time. And I've been doing this niche area um, as a lawyer. I say I should use a caveat to that, that I just recently in the last month or so have decided that my trajectory is to do the psychic stuff more, um, also getting certified as a life coach in the near future, and to still continue my law practice, but focus in podcasting, psychic stuff, life coaching, other avenues are more creative, more spiritual, because I, I find I, I gain greater meaning and purpose when I do these other areas, even though I still enjoy being a lawyer and I'm licensed in five states. If a hurricane hits, you know, in a jurisdiction where I'm licensed, yeah, there's always the thought I do other cases, but I'm going to be more selective and um, diversify myself, so to speak. Wow, cool. I uh, <laughs> I have a limit on these podcasts and I already have 500 questions. I want to ask you just about that. So um, I think the most natural one to ask as uh, someone who's trying to help people become comfortable with an area of life that I'm actually very comfortable with, which is all things intuitiveness. Um, what was it like 
in 2004 when you kind of like officially went public and acknowledged that you have psychic skills or even just that you're like interested in it? Uh, because, because again, I, I don't think the legal world is, is closed minded, but I don't think it's, it's really like into, you know, extrasensory perceptions and things like that. Yeah. Let me tell you that I always knew as a child that I had ESP or deja vu. I called it. My grandmother was very psychic. And so she helped raise me. So my mom, I was single parent family. My mom's even psychic. She figured out she's 75, but at 73, she realized she was psychic when she and I were sitting on a plane before COVID and I read someone in between us and she figured out everything I got. She was getting independent of me. And so my point is it runs in families. I think it does. In my situation in 2004, my grandfather died and I had a premonition seven years before he died that when he passes away, this is my father figure, you know, my own dad, I didn't have a relationship with. So my grandfather filled that role. And I always had this nagging feeling when I go visit him during college that someday my grandfather's going to pass away. And when he dies, I'm going to be by myself with no one to console me. And it was a weird premonition because I'm always around people where I live usually. And the areas I live like Tampa or New Jersey where I'm from, or even work areas I work, I have people that I can connect with. And so the irony is seven years later in 2004, my grandfather had a stroke. I got to see him the day after his stroke, but he was so far gone already. He couldn't talk. He was only talking with his hands in my hand at the hospital. And I was up in New Jersey. I flew up there for two days. And my family was like, go back to work because you have your first year legal job at this firm. And, you know, grandpa would want you to do that. So I went back to, to work thinking I'd come fly up the following Friday. I left to go back to work in Tampa. And then my boss asked me if I could cover a deposition for him in Wisconsin. <laughs> so I went to Tampa, switched out my suitcase, got ready, flew the next day to Wisconsin. I was only supposed to be there a few hours. I got stuck there and had to stay overnight. And that's when my grandfather actually passed away. So I'm sitting in the hotel and long story short, uh, my mom calls to tell me that my grandfather passed and I hung up with her and I was in shock and it was a dark hotel room and orbs of light came to me. And the first thought was, oh my God, my premonition came true. But what my premonition left out was, actually I was by myself in a, in a foreign place, so to speak, Baraboo, Wisconsin, in a hotel room, stranded overnight. Yes, my grandfather died. Yes, this was momentous. But then I had my first spiritual experience with him where orbs of light came into the room uh, a, a wave of unconditional love just washed over me. That's the best way I could describe it with our language of what we use to describe things. Because sometimes I think when it comes to spirituality, there's probably things that we can't describe adequately based on the experience you get spiritually. Because there's mind, body, spirit. You know, we only know certain things in our 3D world. So he came and spoke to me, told me, son, I love you. Go get something to eat for yourself. Go get some food. I'm always going to be with you. Don't ever grieve me. And it was a simplistic message, but it resonated with me. I went to the Panera Bread. My best friend from high school called me and asked me about my grandfather. I told her he passed. I told her about the orbs of light and the spiritual experience I just had. And for the first time, I sensed, not heard or through my five senses, intuitively sensed that she was doubting what I was telling her. So I said, hey, Tracy, if you're doubting what I'm telling you, she was, I didn't tell you that. I said, I'm sensing that. She was like, yeah, I do have doubt. I said, what if your grandmother could talk to you? Because we grew up together. And I said, what if your grandmother could, grow, uh, could talk to you? She goes, you know, my grandpa's been dead six months. And I said, well, and I just blurted it out, like, what if your grandmother could say to you that for six years and the time you were six till the time you were 12, she used to go to the Poconos with you because we grew up in northern New Jersey. And those summers she spent with you, she used to always do the same thing every night. She would tuck you in. She would take the covers, put it up to your nose, kiss you on the forehead in a joking way and say, don't let the bed bugs bite. And I blurted that out. And so as I said that, she drops the phone. Her future husband picks up the phone and said, what did you just say to Tracy? I'm like, what do you mean? She's crying hysterically in the bathroom right now. And I was like, wow. Really? Yeah, and that's how I felt. Like, what is going on? This is a crazy night. And then she gets back on the phone when she regains her composure and said, How did you know that? I said, What do you mean? 
She goes, that's the only thing my grandma and I had a private thing with each other. After my sister fell asleep, she would do that for me every night when I stayed with her in the Poconos over the summertime. She's like, there's no way you would have known that. I go, yeah, I know. We're close. And you've never told me that, Tracy. And so we hung up the phone. I go back to the hotel room. I was scared. <laughs> Human emotion is like, I'm grieving my grandfather in a way. I just found out I could communicate with her dead grandmother, who I you know, never really met but knew of. And I freaked her out and freaked myself out. And so in a, sh a long answer to your short question, I didn't come out as an open psychic until 2017, like with my show in 2018. But actually January of 2017 is when I actually came out officially as a psychic. But even that process was delayed until my podcast took off where people in the legal communities, my peers, started realizing I did podcasting. And when they tuned in on it and I was promoting it on social media, they saw that I was psychic. That's the, how it happened. But the journey from 2004 to that point took a series of steps. And what I learned during that entire time was it's not about me being psychic or intuitive. It's not, it's not my choice for me. It's about other people. It's about not my fear of being discovered to be a psychic. And I work in four of the five states are all conservative red state jurisdictions like Mississippi, Texas, Alabama, and Florida. And Jersey is my only blue state. But my point is, it's not about that. It's about helping people. So like I learned that lesson over time because I'd be on an airplane flying from one spot to the next spot for work, let's say Texas, when I was in Hurricane Ike 10 years ago, and I'm sitting next on the plane getting ready for a deposition or whatever I have to do as a lawyer. We're 33,000 feet in the air and there's a woman sitting next to me in the window seat and I'm in the aisle and she's grieving her daughter, but she didn't tell me she's grieving her daughter. Her daughter pops in my head as I'm, I'm prepping for my deposition. I'm in the air and, and her daughter's telling me, hey, can you let my mom know to keep the seascape painting? Tell her to keep the seascape. And I'm like, I, I'm making this decision in my head. Should I talk to her? We're 33,000 feet in the air. Could I call, if, if, if I'm wrong, am I going to get like an incident that's going to show up on CNN? You know, crazy guy goes up the woman on plane and tells her that her deceased daughter. So like there was caution there. And of course, I finally did tell her. I let her bring it up first. She said she was on her way to go to an extra rental property that her daughter stayed at after her divorce. And I said, you know, that's interesting. And I said, I said, you know, sometimes I pick up vibes from people I called at the time. I said, you know, your daughter, I think, would want you to keep the seascape. And she looks at me and then she goes, excuse me, I got to use the restroom. I was like, oh, no. She goes to the restroom. She comes back. She goes, how did you know that? I go, what? She goes, my daughter is an avid amateur artist. And she painted uh, all these pictures that are hanging on the walls in the, in the house we have that I'm going to. And her favorite one that she made for me was a seascape one. She called it a seascape. It was actually a, 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 a painting she did of the local beach in our, in our area where we like to go to. And it was her reflected place and it was her safe place. So she had a seascape and she called it my seascape. So her mother contacted me weeks later because I gave her a business card and thanked me and showed me pictures of the seascape with the other photos and the photos of her daughter. So you know what that all imparted on me? It's like, damn, this is so meaningful. I can get emotional when I talk about this stuff because I've had I've had people who've impacted me in such ways like, you know, someone's son commits suicide and the father reaches out to me here in Tampa, you know, in the Tampa area, and his his wife went to go see the Long Island meeting in New York and flew up there after the son killed himself in November. I guess the mother went up there around Christmas time, wanted to have an audience with the Long Island meeting to pick up on her son to have answers questions questions answered, and there, she wasn't able to see her. So her husband found me online and said, "Oh, you know what?" Emails me and says, "Hi, Jason. I'm a skeptic, but if you could tell me one thing about my son when we talk, I'll be a believer." And he went through this whole thing telling me how his son committed suicide. And I saw the email and I was, 
it was a Sunday. And I just remember I was so like, I can't do this right now. I have to wait a few days or I'll have to wait until the timing's right. And I waited till the following Friday when I called them when my week was done. And I connected immediately with her son, with his son. And then he brought the wife on and we had an hour conversation. Basically, the son came right through to them, told him he didn't mean to kill himself, that he was suffering from depression. And he had a breakup and he went to hang himself for attention, not to die. And he, his son made a joke like, yeah, the one thing I'm successful at is the one thing I didn't want to be successful at. I did not want to die. I wanted to cry for help. I just wanted something to make sense out of my life. And here I did this. And and it was crazy because um, I was crying on the call with them because they started crying. And then I started crying like, holy cow, it's powerful. So, you know, when I look at it from that vantage point, I know it's about the larger meaning and purpose of what I can do in, in terms of. You know, I think we all have intuition like you were talking about. I think everyone has it. I think it's it's meaningful when you realize that what you can do with a conversation with somebody could potentially help shape how they look at their life, the death and dying, and the larger picture of things. And that's what I really love what I can do with this new stuff I'm involved with the last several years. That's incredible. And it's also just so funny to me that the timing is so perfect because uh, I had a major incident in my life that was not positive and it happened in 2017. And that's when I started like leaning hard into the spiritual sciences, metaphysics, just anything to try to help me understand what everyone tries to understand when, when they're grieving, which is why did this happen to me? This feels unfair. And I came across your show. So at the time though, I didn't know that we were like, you were experiencing all this around that time. And that I was very, very fortunate that your show was out there because I don't know how many there are now, but I mean, at the time there was, not a lot of competition and your show even compared to the competition was so much better. I mean, obviously our audience can already tell you're like a nice, personable, very intelligent person. So you're interesting to hear, even if you were full of it, which I don't think you are, but I do want to ask you two questions related to that. One, which is just something I wanted to know from the moment I contacted you, do you screen people like me before you're willing to do an interview? Like, do you use that ability just to make sure, Oh, this guy's heart's in the right place. Do you know that in all the interviews I've done, and I've been increasing my interviews more this year than in the past, because I think I got on a, a site called Podmatch. I think that's how we met each other. And that that blew me up. That like that made my show, because my show, I used to get people who were publicists reaching out to me after I had one of their guests on that write books and stuff. And I was working with a lot of authors that came on that were spiritual. And then when I got on something like Podmatch, it amped up my ability to meet really interesting people. So... In terms of my my feeling when I talk to people, yes, I usually will follow my intuition. I I like to be generous with my time. That if someone's reaching out to want to interview me about this stuff, I feel like there's a value in having the conversation. As long as a person is ethical and and you know has the right head on their shoulders kind of thing, then for me it's 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 a fun experience. This is fun right now. Like <laughs> I don't take it seriously to the point like where I'm a lawyer. Every time you're working as a lawyer, there's always pressure. There's always like, if you make a mistake, you better have your malpractice insurance at hand. Or if you have a client that's upset, you got to really spend that extra time to make sure your client and you communicate effectively. Because most of the lawyer grievances are, my lawyer never calls me back. My lawyer doesn't communicate effectively. So I think I learned how to communicate effectively through being a lawyer. And then even just doing the podcasting is more my creative side. And that's really where I feel and just enjoy what I do and the passion is, is this stuff. And the fact that I am able to have the luxury of taking the time to explore these things more, being a podcaster and psychic, whatever, it just, I, I would tell anyone in the audience that if you have a calling for something, pursue it. And so, for example, you asked me if I screen people. Yeah, I'll screen people. I'll screen people who reach out to me and I'll look at their podcasts and see if it aligns with what I want to do. 
and nine out of ten times the people who are usually reaching out to me align with me so that's that's the way i would answer that i guess and uh i guess kind of like a mini follow-up to, to that uh a different medium who i've spoken to and, and into it she said uh that she doesn't cross free will that was her phrasing and i'm cur- i'm sure you know what i mean by this but do you ever feel tempted to like tap into someone uh and then you have to like stop yourself or is it not like that is it it just comes if it comes Hey everyone, if you're a fan of the show, please head over to MikeyOp.com and click the subscribe button. It's the best way to support us, and it's free. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P.com. Thanks. I think it's an, you know, it's an interesting question you ask, because basically you're asking me, do I control like how I pick up things, or do I utilize my ability? Like as a lawyer, I never let it cross over. I, I would turn it off or, or ignore it. I, I, I just, in my mind, I, I do really a lot of visualization in my head and I visualize myself with my lawyer hat on. And then I visualize myself with my psychic hat and my podcaster psychic hats one role. And so after, I used to actually literally do this when I first started doing this in 2018, I had my law office uh, in, in Tampa and I would literally make it. So I do readings after hours. I do podcasting after hours. So during business hours, even if I picked up stuff, I wasn't paying attention to it because I was in lawyer mode. And then after hours, I would then allow myself to free myself up to, to use the intuitive side of myself. So when it comes to that, there are times when my spidey sense, so to speak, has helped me uh, you know, in many positive ways where someone's threatening towards me or I could pick up things. But a lot of the times I just kind of like, I use it for the purpose of, of when someone calls and asks, like I find it strongest when somebody really needs it, where they're grieving significantly and they just want to have that extra reassurance. That's why I feel being a psychic medium, you're most valuable to somebody or intuitively. If someone's calling and asking about a relationship or they're asking about, you know, in other words, I guess what I would like to say to you is there's so many people that want to talk to a psychic or want to have advice that the ones that aren't, interested i don't bother because out of respect for them and myself i know my talents are best served by those most receptive to me that i could easily read their energy and help them with as compared to say now and and actually i will answer this like when i'm in a car like an uber or a lyft or something or a cab there have been occasions over the years where i had a few drinks in me maybe the filters were down and i wasn't you know i would just start picking up i had i remember i had a lyft driver the other like two years ago at this point um picked me up and all I kept getting from his energy because I'm in the back seat was he was worried about a financial transaction, his business, not the driving business, another business. And I just felt like I had to reassure him. And I said, listen, just so you know, I had a few drinks, but I'm psychic and you're worried about some business going on. You're going to start a business and partner with somebody. It's going to be really successful. And he kind of was at a light and he turned around and looked at me. It was like three in the morning. He's like, I am buying a, a convenience store in one of my neighborhoods and I am partnering with somebody. And we just talked today and I was on the fence and you're telling me it's going to work out. I was like, yeah, it's going to work out. I like your, your neighborhood's going to be so loyal to you. They're going to like circle around your establishment and you're going to really be like, <laughs> you're going to really enjoy it. <laughs> so like at the end of that little ride, you know, he, I could tell he was thinking he would he didn't want to drive away. He kept <laughs> just saying, I just want to sit here in the moment and realize what you're telling me. And I kept telling him more details. And he was just like, I just have to thank you for this because I would have never anticipated that uh, you would be picked up in my car and what i was worried i'd never gone to a psychic but i'm worried about something you're picking up on in the back seat there's a reason for that so my answer to that would be anytime i feel the nudge or i feel like there's a reason for me to pick up the information then i'll do it but if i feel like someone's i've had people call me for readings and they i feel their their body language is like their arms are crossed their legs are crossed they're in this retreated mode 
and they have a chip on their shoulder and they come to me and they say, I'm a skeptic, read me. And then I start reading for them and I realize that the energy just isn't connecting because, you know, it has to take two to tango. It's not like I have a special power that I can make people give me their information. I, I really very much have a lot of focus when I work with somebody. I want them to be receptive, open and, you know, hopefully receptive. And so when this when I had I had a reading a couple of weeks ago where somebody was, wasn't receptive with me, I concluded the reading. And I said, listen, uh, I, if it was a prepayment, I refund your payment or don't pay me. It's OK. It's nothing personal, but our energies aren't connecting. In reality, this person was a skeptic and wasn't receptive to anything I was trying to tell them. And so it wasn't a value there. There wasn't an exchange of value where I'm not going to just take money from somebody for 20 minutes or 30 minutes to collect the pay where if they're not going to gain from it, I'm more about wanting people to gain from whatever I have to say, as long as they're receptive. There's got to be the right things that work there, the right factors or conditions in place for this to work the way it should is what I mean to say. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And it, it kind of leads to my next question uh, really well, which is, do you think that there's a purpose to having psychics? Like, like do you think that like there's a, a spiritual higher reason and, and and what do you think that is and this kind of segues into the whole point of the show which is what happens when you die so what i'm what i'm picking up from what we're talking about is two things one that i think everybody's intuitive i think no matter what even the greatest skeptic out there has had spiritual experiences gains their gut feeling um and the reason i say that my personal i call it a theory because i'm not the end all be all of anything there's tons of psychics out there my theory from my experiences and that's all i can go by from the last almost 20 years in 2024 be 20 years is I believe we're all spiritual beings occupying physical bodies. I believe our body here on earth is like a car. I believe that when we cross over, it's so seamless. It's like falling asleep on the couch while watching TV is how it's been related to me. And I believe that we all have spiritual experiences. And I believe we're all equally intuitive and psychic. The difference between someone like me and someone who's a skeptic is I've been able to figure out in my own way how to simplify my thought processes in my head, how to remove the what if thoughts when I do this stuff. To be more in tuned, I meditate regularly, I pray regularly, I keep those two. Uh, prayer is my relationship with my maker, our higher power, whoever you believe in, the universe, God, whatever it is, faith. And meditation is my journey inwards within myself to align myself with my higher spiritual self. So with that, all that said, I believe this is all part of nature. And I know they call it the paranormal. Like, I get it. But as I delve more into this, I originally started out with the, the legal mind going into this, not knowing what to do with it. And as I've become more well versed in it i believe we're all spiritual i believe that everybody has the ability to communicate with the other side and i think that when you cross over you're connected to your deceased loved ones and like my grandfather is my muse to help me grow in my own spiritual way i believe that our own loved ones are there now for people who say they've never meditated they don't pay attention to their dreams they don't get any messages from their loved ones i'd say well what's blocking you okay because the reason i ask that is when you're in deep grief you're probably not going to be able to receive messages from your deceased loved one if you're being blocked by all that grief and all that depression and all that whatever. But if you work through those feelings, if you can conceptualize ways to say, you know what, when we die, we graduate. It's like we ascend. All death is, is the vehicle itself breaking down and the physical spirit and energy, which we all know energy is constant. We know energy is everywhere. Science hasn't caught up to this stuff yet. So it's like going back 150 years and trying to tell somebody what an iPhone is. If science hasn't caught up and if the knowledge of it hasn't caught up, people are going to call it paranormal. And they're going to say, oh, only so, some people. And then they're going to say, well, 
And just like there's bad lawyers, bad doctors, there's bad psychics. I've encountered them. People who overcharge, people who are lazy when you ask them questions in a reading and they just don't seem like they give you their, their, their all. So I would tell anyone in your audience that if you want to work with a psychic, make sure you find someone who's reputable. Make sure you, you know, try to find out what their re reviews are like. That you know, I have 104 or five-star reviews on Google. I say that with pride because the clients I've worked with have given me those reviews. And when people read my reviews, they see that my clients put a lot of effort into them. Like, I appreciate that. And that's why I know I'm on the right path of what I'm doing. But for other people, I feel like with death and dying, it's, it's, it's a stage of the natural process and order of things. It's, um, if I was to tell anyone in your audience or yourself, if you're breathing right now, yes, I'm taking breaths because I'm talking. And you're breathing and everyone listening to this is breathing. But it's not until I bring it to your attention that you're taking breaths, that your autonomic nervous system in your body, now you're thinking, yes, I am taking breaths. I'm breathing in and I'm breathing out. And if I was to ask you when you were born, do you remember the day, the actual process of birth? You'll say, no, none of us remember coming out of our mothers and being born. That's because that's also natural, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. So the thing about death for so many people is death's misunderstood in my opinion. People die on and go to the other side. It's like fall asleep on the couch or watching TV. Think of that image the next time you're on a couch and you just had a couple pieces of pizza and you're laying on the couch watching your favorite program and you doze off because we all experience what death is like. The body is cocooned with the soul that when you separate from your body, no matter what kind of death you have, if it's a horrible car crash or getting hit from the back by a train um, to getting stabbed, to committing suicide, to dying naturally in your bed, it's all the same process. The body, it, it, it separates from the soul. The process, just like birth happens, the soul is cocooned. It goes to the next spot. You're disoriented because it's so seamless. You don't even realize your consciousness shifted and that now you're in this afterlife, as we call it. And you have a greeter, you have a loved one, a grandmother, an uncle, whoever it is that's on the other side that you know is dead, that has a connection to you. They volunteer to orientate you and tell you, yeah, you're dead. And most people who go through the process when they come back and talk to me, the reason I know this, when I do readings for deceased loved ones that come through, I ask these questions and they'll tell me the answers. A lot of people want to know. And most people are like, wait, I just died. Are you kidding me? It wasn't even hurting. It, didn't, it was like falling asleep on the couch or watching TV. And they get like, well, why didn't you guys just tell us this? Why wasn't this in a manual somewhere? <laughs> My life could have been so much easier if I knew I didn't have to worry about living in damnation in the afterlife. And I could have been balanced in my life, been a human being, lived by the golden rule. But it, it's just, it's, I don't know. I consider it kind of like a cosmic joke in a way. You know, I feel like that could be a title of a book about explaining death and dying is it's a cosmic joke because we all think here on this planet that we're going to go to a cemetery and, and pine away on Mother's Day to cry when our mom dies. And I tell people, you're wasting your time doing that because you could talk to your mom 24-7. She's on the other side. You could talk to her in your living room, in your bathroom, in your bed, in your car, in traffic. It doesn't matter. Talk to your mom. Get used to it. And you'll find, the reason I bring this up, anyone can communicate with their deceased loved ones. The reason I say this, I've had a lot of communication with my grandfather through visitation dreams, uh, through synchronicity. You know, I'll be talking, I'll be thinking, like, for example, I'm thinking about financial, something financially I need to handle or whatever. And then next thing you know, I'm looking at the clock and it's two, two, two. And then I was like, well, that's coincidental. And then the next thing you know, I'm getting called about new business. <laughs> so you have to look at the messages. You got to look at the context upon which what you're thinking about. And then if you pick up something, is there a confirmation? Is there a feather? Is there a penny? My grandfather leaves me pennies. Is there a penny? There's a feather. Is it a situational thing? Like I remember during the height of the pandemic in like probably March of last year, when things were slowing down in my law practice, I remember I woke up one morning with this anxiety, like, oh my God, am I gonna fail? Am I gonna go under because of COVID? 
like everybody being impacted adversely. I, I'm not really doing the same level of work that I had going on. And my grandfather came to me in a dream and he said, son, I love you. Pay attention to what happens today. Pay attention to the patterns of what happened today. So I woke up, I had my law work. I was doing a deposition and then I had like a radio show that night and I was like, okay, I'll pay attention. Whatever patterns emerge, grandpa, thank you. And through that day, I got two new clients for my law practice. I got two people requesting readings and two guests about my show. And I found out about all that at 222. <laughs> so I knew that when you zoom out and you take a look at the larger thing, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of patterns around us, but they're so subtle because our loved ones are, our deceased loved ones are like subtle Wi-Fi signals. You gotta be able to pick up on them and part of that process, and I just started using these verbiage terms recently, but if you try to go stargazing in the middle of New York City, you're not gonna see a lot of the stars equivalent to if you go to like Yosemite or nature and you don't have that light pollution. And the analogy I get there to say to you and your audience is, if you wanna be able to connect with deceased loved ones, you gotta start working on yourself. You got to get those what if thoughts out of your brain, get that heavy grief out of your brain, go to counseling, you know, mental health for me. I'm all about removing the stigma of mental health because I suffer with depression and anxiety myself. And I feel like if we treat mental health like a broken arm that people could sign your cast, remove the stigma of it. I will tell you that mental health is, a, is an avenue upon which to improve your spirituality. They go hand in hand, mind, body, spirit. So if somebody does the homework and sorts through their own issues and has a greater security and balance and calming with their, within themselves to, to do the things I'm talking about, like light pollution. You can go to nature to look at the stars. Well, if you start meditating, you start praying, you start learning how to compartmentalize those what if thoughts that plague you, you will start seeing over time. It's a process, but you'll start seeing over time the potential for what's called a visitation dream, where in the middle of your sleep, you may find that your deceased loved one comes to you to, to, to communicate with you. It may be random. It could be a voice that you remember of theirs, or it could be them dancing in the background and you see their profile dancing. Whatever it is, it's a reassurance. It's it's a clarity. It's a confirmation. So would that apply? Um, I'm going to open up in a way I've never done on this show before, but um, I think it's going to work. So uh, when I referenced something traumatic happened to me in 2017, it was my ex-wife took my son to Thailand and didn't return. And... Um, uh, I still suffer from this and I'm cut off and I haven't seen him Oh yeah, and it's terrible. And yet I will, I will say because of what you just talked about, I brought this up. Uh, I wasn't planning on it, but it's because every time I'm about to really lose it, he visits me in a dream and I hug him and it's the most real because I was with him for his first two years every single day. So it's not like I don't know my son. I know him extremely well. So my question is he's not dead. I'm not dead, but in dreamland, He's visiting me, and this is also crucial. When I'm dreaming, he's certainly awake because he's in Thailand. It's a 12-hour time difference. You know what that is? Your love is connecting you guys. Just like this, it's the same type of idea. You don't have, and you know, you raise a good point that even I have to think about more about this. But you're right about this. Let me explain what I mean. If you have a strong, loving bond with your son, for example, and they're taking the other side of the world, that's the universe working to get you to understand you're going to be realigned with him. He's not missing forever. He's not going to be out of your life forever. I can't tell you the time frame of when it's going to be a reunion, but that strong connection is to reassure you and comfort you. Yeah, I understand the fear of abandonment, being left by your son and your ex-wife, that, that she did a bad act there and she decided to be selfish and rob you from being around them right now. I can tell you that those dreams are, are to me, at least as you tell me them, the intuition side of what I'm picking up is it's to reassure you. It's to tell you that, yeah, you're apart from your son right now, work on yourself, work on what's your life, what you're doing. 
be on your spiritual path. But as your son gets older and if, as time goes by, there's going to be factors that bring you back together again. That's what I see. Cool. Yeah, no, that, that gels. And I, I'm glad I brought it up and asked you. Um, and it kind of segues into another question I wanted to ask, which is you, like me, you have a creative side and you love it, but you also have this professional side and it pays the bills. And when COVID hit, you know, just like anyone else, you can get anxious about, well, am I still going to be able to pay the bills? Is your spiritual purpose necessarily aligned to your income stream? And I don't mean you, Jason. I mean, like, is there a correlation to this or are the two actually separate or is it neither? You know, I always look at my spirituality or people's spirituality is it's like the opposite. I talk in terms of abundance when I talk about myself. Physical wealth to me should matter more. And for whatever reason, ever since I had cancer in 2018, I look differently at the physical world. I look at every day as a blessing. Every day is a new tabula rasa, a new beginning. So I'm not the best example of somebody who's looking at long-term life investment because I know when we cross over, <laughs> the physical is here for a reason, but it's like we're in school right now. And so for me, yes, I am using my psychic abilities to actually start getting, like I've been giving people readings and my even my podcasting. I have a new contract I signed for a second show that I'm doing and I'm working on getting out and launched sometime this summer. And that'll eventually be, you know, financially beneficial for me. But in terms of spirituality and spiritual purpose and meaning, I think it, it's, it's only 50% of that equation. I think the other half of it is your creativity. I'm sorry, creativity. Once creativity and the ability to tap into that is an, a vehicle of expression, I feel. And I think that's what's helping me get and generate new income for myself is being the creative side of myself. And when it comes to my psychic stuff, I feel like it's more, I, you know, if somebody said that they're a vegetarian or if somebody said that they're whatever, I just say I'm intuitive. It's, it's gotten to the point where I accepted so much of my life already that it, it makes, I make a joke. Like I went to my best friend's wedding in New Jersey a couple of years ago and I was the officiator at the wedding. And informally, I was also the entertainment because all my best friend's friends, they're all physicians, by the way, because her wife was a physician. All her friends were coming up to me asking me for guidance on their their lives. And I, I did it that whole night. I read for people the whole night and it was fun for me. It's an icebreaker. You never have to be quiet when you're a psychic because once people know you're a psychic, even if they're a skeptic, they'll come up to you with their arms crossed and they'll have this look like, read me or can you read me? I'm a skeptic. Can, can you pick up any? Like it's a private confession. I, I've never been to a psychic and I think what you're telling me is full of crap, but do you pick up anything about me? And then it's like, okay, and I tell somebody something, the next thing you know, they're, they're calling me regularly. And it's like, all of us can benefit from, from intuitive guidance. It's just, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and I had, and honestly, you have a good question you just asked just now. One of the reasons I started out in 2004 and I didn't start offering readings till 2017 was because for the longest time I couldn't put in my mind that I'm an attorney who's going to start charging people for psychic readings. I had to work against my own biases. And you know what? flipped that script in my head, I met my, my best friend, Megan, who's my co-host on my new show. She's also psychic. And I met her through an expanded social group for my college crowd. And she came up to me at a wedding in 2016. And she's like, and I was an officiator at that wedding as well. It's kind of funny. She came up to me at the wedding. We're sitting at the table and she's like, you know, I've listened to you at the time I did on my show. She's like, I've heard you appear on other shows occasionally. And I really like your, your vibe. And I'm psychic too, and, and I just feel like we're going to be really close, and I'm going to help you with your past. And the irony is she owns her own metaphysical store, so within six months of knowing me, she comes to me and says, you know what? 
you need to start, go get an LLC for your psychic stuff. I'm going to have people lined up next weekend. And I literally went and created an LLC. And guess what happened that Saturday morning when I showed up at her shop? There were 10 people waiting that weekend for readings, 10. And this person is like my, I tell her she's like my muse. She's married, you know, and I joke with her all the time because I said, we're so close and we've gotten so close that like, <laughs> we, we, we can talk to each other. She's in Puerto Rico visiting and I'm here in Tampa. And she calls me a couple of days ago and goes, what are you doing right now? We hadn't talked in two weeks. I was like, uh, looking at possibly selling in my place. And she's like, you're not doing that. We're going to rent your place out if you want to do that. My place appreciate a lot in value. And I'm looking at my finances and all my goals. My point is, you can have this relationship with these people coming to your life that is so powerful and so amazing. It transforms everything. And she helped me transform how I, she said, Jason, if you, if I came to you as a lawyer and I asked you to do a letter to somebody who was, you know, acting improperly towards me, how much would you charge for that? And I was like, I don't know. I work contingency fee where I get paid at the end. She goes, you get paid for your time. That's the point. I'm like, yeah. She goes, so why could you use your gift to help people and guidance in this area and just come up with a going rate that the market allows? So yeah, I started really low at first. And then in time, I graduated my, my, um, my rates based on my time spent. But that's how I figured it out. So yeah, you can sometimes stand in your own way is what I'm trying to say. You can limit yourself sometimes. For literally 13 years, I limited myself. I'm a lawyer. I went to school. I got trained to be a lawyer. I can't possibly be known as this guy that offers readings to people on the side. And it was so funny because then I started, I started reading for other lawyers that I work with, their, their spouses, them. They're asking me for business guidance. Like I have other lawyers calling me privately and asking me about, you know, their trajectory and investments and stuff. Like it's, it's crazy how it works. It's a big circle. But isn't it like, I asked, you did answer my question, but like, I feel always this bifurcation in, in my being of, I have these human goals and I know they're childish and they're ridiculous, but they're still my goals and I want to achieve them. I have those. Yeah. And so how am I, like, I'm 41. How am I supposed to subdue those for the larger picture, which is my spiritual growth and helping other people? Is it natural to feel this like kicking and screaming reaction to that? It's a, it's a conflict. I, I agree with you that our physical selves and the things that we're brought up here on earth conflict with what your spiritual growth can do. I would just say balance yourself, you know, like it's a, we're all on journeys. I'm not an authority, even though other people may say, oh, you're an authority on this. You're an authority. I don't ever call myself an authority. In fact, during this interview, you brought up that I went to Georgetown. Yeah, I went to Georgetown because I wanted to do it. And I was young at the time and it fit my line of what I wanted to do to get specialized in international law at the time. I figured I wasn't done with school after what seven years. I needed one extra year. Um, I went and did it. And my mom, I mean, <laughs> I worked with these other attorneys for five years at a firm that I was affiliated with. And my mom met the, my mom never meets my coworkers, but she happened. I picked her up at the airport and went to a lunch and brought her. And I went to the bathroom and everyone at the table, it was like a lawyer lunch that we had. Everyone at the table when I came back were staring at me and I'm like, what? And they're like, you know, you went to Georgetown? And I'm like, yeah, why? Your mom, and my mom's like, you don't tell anyone about it. You should. And I'm like, they're like, why would I tell them about Georgetown? That's from 2001. It's 20, you know, 2013. What does it matter? And my mom's like, well, you should tell people that. So it's like when you brought it up, yeah, it's brought up. I went to Georgetown and it was a great experience. And I borrowed $50,000 to go there and I loved it. But it's not something that I just tell people. Like, even on my own show, I don't talk about myself. In fact, on my own show, I, I, it took me the longest time to open up about myself to my audience because I figured no one would be interested in wanting to hear what I have to say. Let me interview people who are interesting that they could talk, that they could learn things from. 
And I totally noticed that. I actually really noticed that when I listened to it. <laughs> I don't I don't share like my accolades. And I just I mean, I'll just tell you this because this is in context of my conversation, not for any other reason. But I won this thing called the Communicator Awards. I applied for something in January for my show and won two two distinctions. I got two trophies in my background. If we were on video, you'd see them. I'm proud of them. But I didn't expect to win them. I applied thinking, oh, you know, craps and grins kind of thing. And then so I got the award. I got notified that I got the award in May. And it was before I went on a trip with my best friend, Megan. And I called my mom and I'm like, mom, oh my God, you're not gonna believe this. And she's like, what? I said, I won these two awards for my podcast. And it's an amazing thing. And my mom's response was, you always win awards your whole life. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I didn't think of it that way, but <laughs> it just, you know, in, in context, you look at life and you see like in your context, you're 41, I'm 46. I really didn't start my spiritual journey full time and, and actually be open about it until I was 43. Yet in my 20s, I knew I had something, but a lot of people hide this out of fear. You know, we fear things that we don't understand. We fear the reaction of other people in our lives. How will they react to me if they know that I have this thing that I do on the side? I was terrified of that at first because I was a baby lawyer at the time and I could have been very vulnerable that while I was working in Mississippi, starting my own law firm there in 2008, handling hurricane katrina cases that one of my clients would have found out that i'm a psychic and the next thing you know i would have lost all my business potentially so there's risk so my answer to you would be analyze risk in your life follow your gut instincts balance yourself do it gradually and if you have goals for example to accumulate wealth on earth and abundance that's fine we live here we have to survive but then if you have a calling to do spiritual things in your after hours or on your weekends. And I, I, I treated being a psychic as a hobby for so many years. I treated being a podcaster as a hobby. I haven't even monetized my show yet. And everyone's like, you need to monetize your show. And my attitude with it is, it's something that I've been doing for fun the last five years. It's leading me in an interesting direction. And I'll monetize it when it, when it happens. <laughs> like I'm very laissez-faire, you know? And sometimes that could be a flaw too, because I'm not always the best handle in, in direction. But I also think I look at it from the vantage point that I just don't take life as seriously after my cancer, to be honest with you. I just, I, <laughs> I look at my life as a blessing. I was so lucky that I diagnosed with this, the CAT scan in August of 2018, three months before that or four months before that, I looked in the full length window and I was looking at my clothes in the, in the reflection at that time, it looked like a mirror. And I said, wouldn't it be weird if I had cancer and didn't know it? So I diagnosed myself with cancer four months before I had it. So I was mentally prepared for the actual thing. And then I went through the process. And after I had the cancer, I lost, you know, 50 pounds, ended a toxic relationship, ended a toxic business relationship, went through all new beginnings, got rid of a bunch of friends during the COVID process that I were hanger-ons kind of thing. They weren't, you know, they're not, they're not, if they don't serve your highest purpose and bring out your best, then I just don't, I don't find the value anymore in having, you know, these artificial relationships with people where you call on the birthday to wish them a happy birthday. And I want real, genuine, authentic connections. So I'd rather have a, a smaller quantity of those than a huge grouping of a bunch of people you gather on your birthday or a holiday, yet during the rest of the year, they don't, you know, they don't show what they should to be or reciprocal. Yeah, I think that's uh, truly special and excellent advice. And it's funny because our incidents happened at the same time. You got cancer. I lost my son. I 100% understand it. I, I turned that into good things. I met my future wife, who I'm now married to. I have another child. Started your podcast. Yeah, started my podcast, started doing much more open spiritual dialogues with people. Um, and I think people are 
really worried right now. People on every side of, of <laughs> politics are, are concerned, it seems. And I'm curious, do you have a positive or perhaps negative message? Well, the world's ending in a day. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. What I'll tell you is this. I'm gonna. I, I talk in anecdotes if that's okay, because it, sometimes it explains my point quickest for our purpose. I got goosebumps as I talk right now, so that's a confirmation. I will. I go for walks. All right, and the Roe v. Wade thing. No matter where you are on the spectrum with that, I I went for a walk in November, and this is just when we figured out that they were arguing for the Supreme Court. So my legal mind is interested in what's going on. I'm heavily, heavily, heavily invested in our Constitution, stare decisis, rule of law. All the things that you know are under threat right now are the things that I, that's why I became a lawyer. I love constitutional law. I booked, I got the highest grade in my class. I love the Constitution. So when you look at potentially rolling back someone's individual personal freedoms and liberties, which is the penumbras of the Constitution as a law student, we learned that we have fundamental privacy rights that have developed since Roe v. Wade, which have given all these other rights for contraception, abortion gay marriage or whatever other rights there are, um, when you start rolling those rights back, yes, a lot of people are going to be worried as hell. Like, what are we doing? And when our democracy is under attack, um, the one thing I'll say is I had a premonition when I went walking and I was listening to my music and I went for a walk and I'm walking around the water in Tampa about the abortion thing. And I was really concerned about it. And then I had this image and it was like a news program from the future. And it showed millions and millions and millions of women. And it was like a march on Washington, but it was across the whole country. And all those millions of women were combined in a political force with gays, LGBTQIA kind of stuff, with the BLM movement, with AAPI, any other of these groups that you could think about in our democracy that are, are you know, minority groups struggling to get acceptance and equality in our society, all banded together. And the news show told, showed me a review from the 2020. So here we are in November of 2021, and I get this quick flash of a show that over time unfolds like a Polaroid. And what it showed me basically was, yes, we have this uncertainty. Yes, all these horrible things are happening like the 1960s with the assassinations and everything that happened there with the Vietnam War. We're going through another stable of instability with the Trump stuff. And yes, all the truths about Donald Trump are going to be completely revealed in the next coming months. I know that. And my premonition showed me that, yes, we're going to have some stark moments, but it's not the end. <laughs> we're not going to, you know, we're abortion's going to, whatever is going to happen with the abortion thing, it's going to be figured out and privacy rights are going to be protected. It's going to take about several years for us to go through this process. But I would reassure anyone in the audience that I felt a strong social movement, political movement, uh, combining with all these groups that are threatened, combining together. And I feel like they will help influence the silent majority of our country that classify themselves as an independent, or I don't really pay attention to Gen Z's, the Gen X, the millennials, all those people are going to combine together because they're going to see the greatest threat that is posed. And I personally believe as a positive thinking person, it's going to help our country. It's going to restabilize our democracy. And by 2030, and I know that's many years from now, at least that's what the show showed me. It was like a review of the decade and it showed the turbulence. It showed me, but it ultimately showed us winding up on the upper end and in, in, in a positive direction as a result of all this. I, and also, I think you nailed it, which is that there's a lot more positive people out there than people think who are really genuinely positive people and we care enough that we're not going to let little things make us turn into our selfish shells. I want to add one thing just to tell you. One, I, I you know, law of attraction, you, I'm sure you've studied it or been exposed to it. Uh, 
I'm going to tell you just for a point of reference, instead of you saying you lost your son, say that your son's not with you now because you're going to be reunited with each other. Um, I'm not that. And I, I look forward to hearing about it in the future. I just hope it's not so far distant. I can't. It's timing sometimes hard when I make a prediction, but I know you're going to get reunited. I feel the energy of it. Okay. That's the first thing. Secondly, second for me, the one thing that shook me the most in the last three years was when George Floyd was murdered. And it shook me in such a way because I, I, you're in the same age group as me. We're both Gen X, I believe. We were raised to think that, oh, racism's over. Oh, you know, <laughs> racism's over. People don't hate each other like that. Those crazy people on that TV show, like the Discovery Channel highlights these neo-Nazis. Those people are racist, but most of us are not. And it really was like the neo moment with the Matrix when George Floyd was murdered, because I went and protested five times in Tampa. And I, I see how much we all struggle with how we relate to each other and the color of our skin or religion or sexual orientation or gender. And, and the one thing I want to say, and that's where I think for me, at least I'm making my show a focus of this is to say, when you think of everyone as spiritual, we're all spiritual beings occupying physical bodies. All that other stuff is really dumb and all that other stuff needs to be condemned and people need to evolve. Like I have zero patience for people that don't have acceptance in their minds. And like you just said, it's easier to love somebody than to hate somebody. <laughs> if you could give someone love, you're going to gain back 10 times the value of whatever you put out. But if you give out hate, you're just damning yourself and you're learn you're going to come back reincarnated as like a roach or something. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> people need to people need to look at things. They need to look at the bigger picture and and what helps us is love. Love is unconditional. It's unlimited. It's around us in all ways. You just have to tap into it. Self-love for yourself. And then tap into it for other people with generosity and, and appreciation and whatever else can you know, come of it. That's my opinion. I believe very strongly in that. Jason, I, I've had a total pleasure talking to you. I'm so excited and I wish you the best success in the future. Listen, I'm going to say some prayers for you about your son. I'll light a prayer candle for you because I like to do that stuff. And I will say thank you so much for having me on your show. It's been a, a major pleasure for me. You've actually helped elevate my vibration today. So uh, I really appreciate it. I appreciate your audience and keep doing what you're doing. And I, I really appreciate the privilege of being on your show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I think you said it as, as well as anyone could and better than me. So I will just tell our audience that once again, you've been listening to Coffin Talk. My name is Mike Oppenheim. And uh, as always, you can help support the show by signing up for the free subscription, free package at MikeyUp.com. And to everyone listening at home, uh, we will see you soon. Walking along when I hear this song and I'm walking alone.